You're listening to a special edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. On today's show, we sit down with Reverend Willie Jones, the pastor of Wesley Chapel AME Zion Church. As we close out Black History Month, Pastor Jones reflects on growing up in Gaston County during segregation, how things changed after integration, and why he believes we still have a long journey ahead of us to reach equality. Welcome to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Dandrea Bradley. With us is Reverend Willie Jones, the pastor of Wesley Chapel AME Zion Church in Gastonia. Recently, Pastor Jones sat down for an interview with a local reporter about growing up in Gastonia during the 1950s and 60s. He says that Gastonia and Gaston County have come a long way since the Jim Crow era, but there's still more work to be done. So, Reverend Jones, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about um, the most recent article that we read in the paper. You were talking about how you felt like Gaston County had a long way to go because you grew up in the 1950s, so you experienced um, segregation in Gaston County. And, you know, I want to go a little bit deeper. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that experience growing up then. Well, um, I guess I could start by saying none of us thought that we were poor. And uh, growing up, we were poor. Uh, There was a lot of things that uh, you see some kids uh, had and you didn't. And uh, you wonder uh, what do you go about or how would you go about achieving and you had to work, mm-hmm. and you had to start working at a very young age. And as I recall, my brother and I and our father, which his name was Alaska E. Jones, started cleaning up the theaters downtown. Uh, the Web, which is now a steak, Web steak or something, mm-hmm. there used to be a theater, and there was a theater across the street from the establishment, which was the Center Theater. And beside the Center Theater was a Woolworths. Um, We weren't allowed to go into Woolworths. Uh, We had to clean up the theaters early in the morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. and be out. Well, we would be out by 6 so we could come home and get ready for school. Uh, At that particular time, we were in uh, kindergarten. Uh, at least I was. My brother, he was in the first grade. I was in kindergarten at Miss Myrtle Huffman, which is in uh, Windy Hill. Okay. Yes. Uh, back then, they called it Hogtown. Yes, back then. And uh, there was a reason because they called it Hogtown, but uh, I guess that would be another segment. But nevertheless, it was called Hogtown, Windy Hill, and... That's where, uh, at the age of, uh, you start school when you're six. So I was five years old at that time because I was in kindergarten and worked from kindergarten all the way through uh, elementary school and part of high school. But in 1970, uh, well, we stopped, stopped working at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
uh, I can say that there was a lot of meals that a lot of, of our friends didn't get simply because they didn't eat at home, but they ate the popcorn that our father allowed. It's hard to call his name because we always said our daddy, mm-hmm. our mama, and we never called them by their names. So anyway, our father, he would pop popcorn, bring it home, and we would take it. I would take it to uh, Miss Huffman's kindergarten, a big box, and we would eat that during the day. Uh, I was in elementary school. Some of the, uh, our friends would come by the house, and they would get popcorn, and uh, they would eat that. And we found out years later, I'm talking about years later now, in the 20th century, that some of them would tell us that, you know, that would be the only meal that they got at that particular time was the popcorn. Wow. And um, it was it, it was hard. It was hard, but we didn't think it to be hard because it was a matter of survival, mm-hmm. and that's what we did. We had to survive. And there was a lot of things that uh, you see and you wonder. You say, well, okay, maybe it has changed, but it really hadn't. Theoretically, it hasn't. You can only see that it has been suppressed. And certain things that uh, we are able to do and now and certain things that we still can't do. Um, we still have to get permission. I, I think we still have to get permission. And, uh, and the reason that we have to get permission is because we're only, we're only, uh, how can I say, if I let you, mm-hmm. if if I let you, then there's a possibility that you could achieve. But if not, then you can be suppressed. I uh, shared with the uh, reporter that to see someone of color uh, back in the day was, Unheard of. We had to get a, a a screen, a cover, I guess, a, because we didn't have color television at that time. And you could put it on your television screen to try to make color. You didn't see us on television. You didn't see us uh, doing pretty much of anything. And I can recall as a young man, I think that, let me see, I want to say I was in either the second, second grade, but anyway, there was a TV show called Amos and Andy. And I know that show very well. <laughs> okay. Well, now, uh, it was Amos. Amos came to our, our home, and at that, at that time, and I, I guess... When you, when you look at that and you say, well, okay, he was an actor, a black actor, and came and he was just like any other person. Mm-hmm. But there again, we could only offer him what we had. And, you know, uh, as far as a, a hot meal, like some people would do, we had fried chicken and, you know, green beans and rice, and they ate with us. 
and it was, was it Kingfish? I know it was Amos and the taxi driver. And I'm trying to think of his name. But so was Amos was the taxi driver, and Andy was the one that worked with the Kingfish King and always got in That's trouble. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and you know, and it was a, a thrill even then um, to have someone uh, of that caliber come. But uh, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. And we did as an outlet. We, Like I said, we went swimming, and we would swim from 9 o'clock in the morning until closing, to 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that was our pastime, and we would fly kites, uh, make ca- uh, go-karts, uh, roller skate. Um, you, you call them, I guess you call them creeks, mm-hmm. but we call them branches. Branches. And we would dam up the branches and swim, uh, catch uh, crayfish and salamanders and tadpoles and... Um, just, you know, that was our pastime because as a people, um, we had to pretty much stay in our place. And uh, the only way that we were able to come out of our comfort zone is when our father would take us to, um, uh, to the theater and we'd have to go in the in the balcony, in the back, where the projection room was, mm-hmm. to look at the movies, and we had to stay in the very well in the projection room, and there was a little small uh, hole that they had cut out so we could see the movie, mm-hmm. and no one would know that you we were there. A, yeah, and you know, and to me, to think about that, then it, it's almost like saying, "Wow." Uh, why were we treated like that? Um, so, Pastor, let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned how your dad used to take you and your brother to clean the theaters real early in the morning. Um, you were five years old. At what point did your father explain to you why you had to go so early? Did he ever sit you down and talk to you? about, you know, why you had to go into the theater so early, why you couldn't be there when, you know, the other people were there watching movies. Do you recall having a conversation like that? Uh, We knew to maybe to be seen but not heard and to ask questions. It was totally, I would have to say, uh, not for a child at at our age to even ask or question because we didn't think that our lives were in danger Mm -hmm. because we went about our chore. We did whatever we was told to do. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much uh, our upbringing. You either listen to what your adults or your parents or anybody that's your elders. Mm Mm-hmm. You would listen to what your elders had to say or tell you, and you had to do accordingly. Okay. Because if if I showed out at someone else's, at one of my friends' house, and they chastised me, in other words, no, in other words, what I'm saying, if they whipped me, mm-hmm. when I got home, my parents knew about it, and I would get another whooping. 
So it was it was best to listen and be obedient or suffer the consequences when you got home. And that's and we knew to we 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 knew not to cross the line. Okay. At a young age, we knew not to cross the line. We knew where our place was, and that was to be a child, uh, to be a, a, a young man or a young woman, and and do what we had to do and get an education. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much. And listen, you know, and I, my father would all he would say some some things to us how we're supposed to act and carry ourselves in front of other people. Um, they raised us uh, the, the right way. Just like our, our friends, uh, their parents raised them. We all we were raised the same way, and that was the right way. Okay. Now, as you were growing up, you know, getting older, what are some of the places you like to visit other than, you know, playing in the creeks or the branches? Um, <laughs> you know, in the article you mentioned the palace, um, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, the Palace Theater was, uh, uh, I don't, it was a building on, I don't know, I, I keep trying to remember because West End is going out of Gastonia. You go north when you're going towards Charlotte. I guess that would be east, west. Well, you, in, you remember what street it might have been on back then? York, South York Street. South York Street. So, okay. No, North York. North York Street. North York Street. That's where the Palace Theater was. It was on York Street. Mm-hmm. And it was a building. Uh, to look at it, you, yeah, it was a dilapidated building. And it was your theater? It was uh, our theater. Yes, it was our theater. It had... Uh, yeah, it had rats in there. We call you you can call them field rats. They real big, real mm-hmm. large. Had field rats in in the theater and uh, bugs, roaches, whatever you know. But it was our theater, and we got to see movies that um, long since passed from our counterparts. Uh, movies that. Okay, my brother and I saw they would uh, the palace wouldn't get the movies until maybe four, maybe five years later. Oh my goodness! Because uh, we we saw and and I, I remember this one movie, uh, and you you remember it? It's called The Blob. We yes, s- we saw it at the Center Theater. Uh, that was in 1962, I think. I want to say 62. We didn't see the blob at the Palace Theater until 65, 66. I want to say 65, 64. 64. That's when the, the blob came to the Palace, the Palace. Theater. Right. And, I, I mean, we had already seen it. And, you know, t- to know that you're getting a, a, a second-hand movie 
Mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's a good way of putting it. You got something. You, we were getting something that uh, was old. And a lot of stuff we ain't got that was old because as a young ch- as a young man, I remember as we would, as the movies would leave the two theaters downtown, we would take the film. It came in big steel cases, metal cases, excuse me, metal cases. We would take them to the post office, and they would ship them off to other theaters. Um, Sometimes we would leave them downstairs, and they would pick them up, but they would ship them off. Um, Sample movies would come in little boxes. We would take those to the uh, post office, and they would ship them off. But the Palace Theater never got them. So they went to other white theaters yes, before they came before to they came to the palace theaters. Um, uh, it 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 seems as if though well it was a struggle, and I know it was a struggle because my brother and I we would say oh we've already seen this, you know well when it oh, well, we saw it at the Weber Center Center Theater, okay, and we're just now getting it at the palace. Um, it, it it seemed as if though that uh, in, instead of being you're not side by side and instead of being maybe two or three steps behind it's almost like you're ten steps behind and you'll never catch up mm-hmm. and it appears today that uh, the possibility of, of catching up I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime. Yes. So now let me ask you this, Pastor. You, um, you're growing up. You're seeing, you know, how the world is is working. How you know, black people are. They have one set of rules. White people have another set of rules. You know, let's let's fast forward to the civil rights movement. Um, when did you start hearing? you know, the conversations, really start paying attention to the conversations about how, um, especially here in Gaston County, what, what, were, what were people talking about with regard to civil rights? Uh, 1963 was in the third, the third grade. I want to say the third grade, third or the fourth grade. And at that particular time, we knew we had a good president. Mm-hmm. We had John F. Kennedy, and it, the it seems as if the the world was happy, and things began to look a little bit better. And then all of a sudden, he was assassinated, and it was like um, a big black hole. It just sucked the life out of the United States. And uh, and you wonder, say now this here's a, a man, president, trying to do good, uh, not only for uh, black people but for all people. He was trying to do good, and then someone takes his life. Um, then come to find out, it was because it was trying to help or put an end to racism. Mm-hmm. Even then, in 1963, 
because in 1963, we were still segregated in 63. Um, 64, still segregated. It was an, an, an all-black school, and um, we got second, seconds, thirds, fourths. The list can go on as far as books are concerned. We received books, you know, they probably look like this. So, uh, now, the book that you have, what is that exactly? It's a, a Rams, a Holland Ram yearbook. Okay, from and 1966? 1966. Now, the pictures that I'm showing you is uh, uh, a picture of, uh, how can I, yeah, people that grew up in Gaston County. Mm-hmm. Now, these are the, the Osley brothers, a popular known and on that picture, you have people like Gene Friday, which was uh, the band, one of the, the, the major rets for Howland High School band. Uh, you have MacArthur Friday, and he still plays the the baritone sax, musically inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, George Sweet T. Taylor great saxophonist, and he played with the Isley Brothers. Uh, this is when I was in Vietnam. Okay. And and this is another group that was formed here, 1964, uh, here in Gaston County, performed here. Uh, let me see. That's Gene Friday. That's Gladys Irvin. Uh, MacArthur Friday. Duff, um, and that's one of the Osley brothers. Wow. Yes. Um, and in the yearbook, th- I showed this to the news editor. That was the, f- that was the first black mayor. Mr. T. Jeffers. Yes, he was the first black mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that even then, it was almost like, well, we have to start something. They have to start somewhere. And they started with him. And uh, when they integrated, which was in 1960, this was the last graduating class. 66 was the last graduating class at Holland. Mm-hmm. They integrated after 66. Okay. Um what was that experience like? Because to be segregated for so long and then you're suddenly thrust into the same building with white people who you've had almost little to no interaction with. Like, tell us about how that felt. Like, what what was that experience like? Well, I was headed in that direction. Uh, it's almost like a fish out of water. Um, because... Suddenly, we had to adjust. I know you. They, they can say, "Well, you know, they had to adjust." Okay, we was thrust into an environment that we had no recollection of. Mm-hmm. Um, to look at the the schools, and this school, Holland, 
which is now Highland School of Technology. Right. Um, if you look at it, how uh, modern it really is, as opposed to going to a school that's uh, not wasn't so modern. Um, we had to uh, transform from one environment to their environment. Mm -hmm. We had to do as uh, they instructed us to do. Still, um, they're still instructing us to do things. Uh, believe it or not, you know it, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, I think that we're all equal to a certain point. And um, some uh, one person might be a little smarter than the other, but in the eyesight of God, we're all equal. Uh, there are no big eyes and little. Right. I still believe that had it not been for the Lord on our side, I don't know where we would be. Um, it would be still chaos. That's why I say we still have a long way to go, simply because if you look at the world today, it's sad. But we're still being killed. We're still being put in prison that's over populated with minorities um, we're still being victimized uh, the 20th century raising our daughters I have to go here raising our daughters because this was an article in the paper and where we live our neighbor had two daughters mm -hmm. and our daughters were playing they Real close, our neighbors, they was real close. But some other little girls came up to play with them, and the other little girls told our daughters that they couldn't play with them. We're talking this 20th century, 2006, my wife said. It was 2006 or 2007. And the other little girls told them, said, we can't play with y'all because you're painted. And I'm saying, What? And our daughters come home crying. And we wanted to know what was wrong. And they said that they wouldn't play with us because we was painted. And I said, what? You mean to tell me 2000, we're in the 20th century. And then you still, that's why I said we have a long way to go. So, Pastor Jones, when you look at where, you know, we've been, you know, and where we are now, what progress do you see, and and do you do you have hope for the future? You know, talk to us. Do I have hope? And as I said earlier, not in it won't be in my lifetime. I know we we eulogized, we funeralized uh, a lady. Her name was Ambassador McGill. Mm -hmm. She was a hundred and two years old, and I'm willing to to say to you or to anyone that will listen, in 102 years, nothing has changed in her eyesight. We still haven't, um, we still haven't come to the realization that we are equal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said in 102 more years, it still will be the same. We'll still be struggling. 
could still be a knee on our neck, and we can't get no higher than we're let. So what do you tell people when, you know, when you talk to your congregation or when you meet people on the street? Um, you know, people who maybe have read the article, you know, who lived through the 1950s, you know, who lived through the 1960s, you know, some would argue that there's been some, you know, some progress, some change, you know, we've had a black president, you know, we're seeing Dr. Martin Luther King's dream being fulfilled, you know, when you hear those um, comments, you know, what is your response? Because, I mean, it is obvious that, you know, things have changed, or is it just that things are different? Like, there are things that are not going on in, in the forefront. Like, what? how do you address those comments? Right. Things are a little different, mm -hmm. still the same, but suppressed. That's all. It's, it's suppressed. Um, until this incident... You didn't hear too much until they killed George Floyd and was an uproar. Mm -hmm. See, when a black person is brutalized, then an uproar happens, and that's when. And and I know that Dr. King had a dream that someday, one day, but it it has changed since. He has, but if he was alive today, he would probably say the same thing. We still have a long way to go. So when you look to the future, you say we still have work to do, we still have a long way to go. Um, what do you want to see accomplished while you're still with us during your lifetime? I, I'd like to see, you know, equal. I, okay, I preached this, I lived this, we raised our children. God has no respect of person. He'll bless the just as well as the unjust. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't look at color. He looks at the heart. We're not looking at the heart of man. Everybody's not bad. Billy the Kid was bad. Um, uh, uh, Doc Holliday, those were ruthless men. They shot you. I mean, but still, we're not like that. All we want to do is we want to survive and we want to overcome not be succumbed, mm -hmm. but we want to overcome. We sing the song, we shall, we will overcome someday. But that day is not today. And that's why I said uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. King, he did have a dream. And if he was alive still, he would say that it's still not finished. It's a long way to go. Yes. Well, 
Pastor Jones, is there anything else you would like to add about our conversation today? I thank God and I, I pray that this too will pass. I pray that we will come together someday. Not at a funeral. Uh, not uh, in a grocery store or in a department store. But I'm talking about come together. You can still go to some churches. And that separates us. Mm-hmm. You can go to some eating establishments that separates us. But I'm praying to God that one day we will come together. I I tell you what, it's just, it's been a pleasure. And and thank you so much for just sitting down with us and just talking to us um, as we close out Black History Month. And, And there is still work to be done, but we do see we see the work being done, but, you know, I'm a firm believer that, that progress is a process, and, and, and we'll get there. So thank you so much for, for just being with us today, and, and, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Savvy Citizen, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.